Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Today, I'm going to be talking about a first look at the Commanders during an OTA session. Today was the first, Wednesday was the first day that was open to the media. So I'm going to give you a lot of what I saw in Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, Emmanuel Forbes, Cole Turner, some offensive line stuff and a little bit more. So stay tuned for that. But I want to give you some news first. And by the way, I have a couple stories up on ESPN.com that are some of the news coming out from today on Armani Rogers, Chase Young Montez Sweat. But I'm going to start with something I didn't write about, but is something that's mm, a deal. Not a big deal, but a deal. And that's that the U.S. Patent Attorney's Office turned down the commander's request for, for their application for a trademark for Washington commanders. Now, because there's, it was a conflict with Commander's Classic, which is an Army. It's a football game between Army and Air Force in Dallas. So what I was told is it's a not, it was considered a non-office action. The commanders actually anticipated this happening because of they knew there be there was this conflict. And when there's a conflict, you just have to resolve it. So what they're going to now do is file another application sometime probably within the next 30 days, and just basically say, you know, they have to, there's probably some questions that the, that the USPTO had for them, but also one of the arguments is going to be, nobody is going to confuse the Washington commanders with the commanders classic that. So if that doesn't get approved, then they have to go some different routes, but that's when it becomes a little bit more significant. Today's move. Yeah. You know, it's like I said, it's kind of a deal, but not not really, because, again, it was anticipated. And and as I talk to other people, like it's getting harder and harder to to um, when it comes to trademarks, because so many more people are filing them easy access um, via the Internet, et cetera. So just a little bit harder to get some of these done these days. So, again, it doesn't happen in a few in the next whenever they file it again, if they get rejected again, then they have to do something else and it may take a little bit longer. So just bears watching down the road right now. I'm not sure that it's a huge, huge deal. So anyway, that's number one. Now, the significant news for today was Armani Rogers suffered a non-contact Achilles injury, as I'm sure you've heard already um, in practice in their OTA session on Tuesday. He was just running and he tore his Achilles. So he's clearly likely done for the season. And this is a, as Rivera, Ron Rivera said, it's a, it's a blow. It's a definite blow for their offense. And even though he's only, he only caught five passes for 64 yards last year, but he was a guy that they were excited about because of his athleticism, because he had some explosion to his game. He was fast. And that screen game with Eric Bienemy in the tight ends, I think he'd have been a definite weapon because he was last year. They weren't used enough 
um, to, to their, to the coach's liking, I know. Uh, so the, so it just was something that you, you anticipated him being a bigger part of the offense. Also keep in mind, he went from quarterback in college to tight end last year and still progressed at a good pace in his first year at the position. So there was, ne- there was definite excitement about what he could do in year two when given a whole year and healthy, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a blow for them. And Logan Thomas called it a blow and said an emotional one as well, because it's somebody they clearly get along with and like, and, and, you know, they know he's could have helped this team. Now they're still okay at tight end. As long as Logan Thomas stays healthy, as long as Cole Turner develops and I'll get to Turner in a few minutes. And then you also have Curtis Hodges and John Bateser. Bates is going to be who he is. He's a good blocker who can catch the occasional ball. Hodges is a guy that they liked enough to keep around, but is he going to pay off for them? We don't know. So, but he's going to have to now, he's going to have a chance now, some more what he can do. And they're going to have to go out and find someone else if for no other reason to bring someone else into camp. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Then the other, and I don't know that this is necessarily news. We knew this was going to happen that Chase, you know, we knew yesterday because Chase Young and Montez Sweat weren't there yesterday, but we had a chance to ask Ron Rivera about their absence. Now, it kind of got into this narrative of, you know, is it their contract? These guys weren't showing up, period. Like they haven't shown, they didn't show up for a lot of this stuff in the past. I'm not blaming them. They're voluntary workouts, but I'm not going to necessarily equate or necessarily tie, tie it to the contract because they have, they, they, they've been staying away since like the first week of OTAs, but they have, both those guys have missed a lot of the OTAs in the past. So this is not unusual for them. It's not like Terry McLaurin last year who didn't show up for these because for the first time because of his contract situation. So I'm not going to go into that point, but uh, Ron Rivera said he has had contact with Chase Young via text conversations. And he said he understands when it comes to the fifth year option, he understands why they made the move. And as Rivera, Rivera said, this is a production-based league, and both those guys, Sweat and Young, need to produce at a higher level to get the kind of contract they're going to want next offseason. So Rivera always points to the Deron Payne situation. They, he was in a similar situation last year where, yeah, they picked up his fifth-year option, but he's going into a year where he was going to be a free agent. And he went out and produced, and they kept him. So, again, production-based league, you go out and produce, and as Rivera said, that if you produce – they're going to want to keep you. And if you don't, then you're going to be elsewhere. So big year for those guys. And as John Allen said, you know, when he, when we asked him about it, he's like, I don't think he was all that bothered by it, at least publicly. And I don't know, you know, that he is privately, but it, publicly what he said is like, Hey, you guys, they, they come in and produce doesn't matter. And that's always the key. And I've told you that. That's why again, voluntary sessions, bigger deal if they miss the mandatory mini camp. And um, and it's a big, big deal if you come in and you don't produce. That Even if you came to the OTA sessions, you go in and don't produce, it's a big deal because they need those guys to produce. Anyways, then you have Cam Curl, who's kind of taken the Duran Payne path where he was there. He took part in individual sessions and, and some group, but not in team sessions. So in those team sessions, he just kind of stood by the defense with, with the coaches and shouted out, whatever instructions or whatever, but he wasn't participating. And again, it's in, when we asked him about it, he's like, Hey, I just want to be out here with my guys. I'm just here to be with my guys because he's got a contract possibility too. So he, again, this is what Deron Payne did last year, participate, but not necessarily in teamwork or in team drills. 
And Rivera even said that some of this stuff is on hold because of the ownership situation. And I, I told you that, but you can't, it's going to be hard for them to get some of these deals done until this ownership situation is settled. So there you go on that. And, and by the way, Antonio Gibson also in that same situation. And now he's out there and he's not, he, he's like, he can't worry about it. He can't focus on it. He knows he has to have a better year than last year. So he's out there. So then let's get to Sam Howell. So first chance to see him live since last game of the season. And, you know, one thing you heard is that he's, they're trying to get him to be more of a leader. Antonio Gibson talked about that, that he, they feel like he's starting to take a little bit more control of the huddle. That's something that Eric Bieniemy is going to pound into them. More on that in a minute. But that's one of the things that some of the players have said that they've started to see some growth in that area because that's something that they definitely want to see from him. On the field, just in terms of passing. So I'm going to say preface some of this by saying we're watching these guys in the spring. They're in shorts, and there's it's basically as other players used to call it underwear Olympics right now. So you can't, you don't want to get. Please don't take more, make more than this of what it is. It's the first look at them. It's May 24th. So where they go from here is bigger. Where they're at in July, or excuse me, in August, then that's kind of a bigger deal. It's just our first look at them. It's just a first impression, but. So with Howell, so let's go through what we saw from him in, in warmups, 7-7, 11-11. The one thing that jumps out to you when it's just on air, again, I don't make a big deal out of that, but what you when you when you do pay attention to that is when a guy's passes are all over the place. And trust me, man, there were times last year where you'd see some of these quarter, like, you know, with, with his Carson and, and Taylor sometimes, that ball is all over the place, even on air. And it, they weren't always the most accurate passers, believe it or not. Um, so, you know, and, and and that's just, that's just, that's what it was. What I noticed with how, first of all, the ball, we know the ball jumps. So take that for granted. You're not, you just, that's what it does. But he was accurate in those situations. And of course you should be, there's no defensive players there, but by accuracy, I'm not talking about completing the ball. I'm talking about where he was putting the ball on the receiver, on the target. It was giving guys leading guys into the into the into the um into more yards and you know giving them a chance to run hitting them in stride hitting that you know getting guys getting them to turn up the field the way you need that they need to given where the coverage would have been now I say on air you may have like a coach standing in a certain area to represent a defensive player but not really playing defense so that's why I say like if a coach on the inside he's hitting the guy to the other side allowing him to turn up field that way saw that consistently. I think that's something that's worth noting because I think that's a part of his game that they really liked. And it's something they definitely saw in that Dallas game. So that's why I wanted to note it. And so again, on air, but not a bad job. Seven on seven. I will say one of the things you see there is more, I think you know, between he and Jacoby Brissett, I felt he was more decisive and more aggressive with some of the throws. Doesn't always mean it's the right decision but that's just there's a difference between the two i think with the mindsets right now based on our one time watching these guys both live and i'll get to jacoby in a minute um with with how sometimes the seven seven you see him hit that plant step hitch throw get the ball out you find a guy not here get over here so i think he did you know there were times he did a pretty good job with that um there was um an out and up that he tried to go to jahan dotson Maybe not the best decision because uh, Benjamin St. Juice rotates over and would have picked the or had got his hands in the ball and didn't pick it off, but certainly broke it up and it was a dangerous throw. 
Um, but that's, you know, again, that's the guy is aggressive. Doesn't always mean the right decision either when I say that. And then there, but there was another time where this is a really good throw to Cole Turner. And this is again, where, um, where you come back to the Cole Turner and this is one thing that he can do ball down the right seam, give a little head nod to the outside defensive player kind of bites on it. And he just continues up the seam. And here we go with the wide catch radius. You haven't heard that phrase yet this year, but it's the first time this spring. Hit that little ding, 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 wide catch radius. Take a drink. So the ball, but but Howell puts the ball up where Turner can get it. The guy's big. Make him, you know, let him use that height. And he gets the ball up there and a really good throw and just a nice play. Good route by Turner and would have been a nice completion in a game. So that's another good thing. Another There was another time where Terry McLaurin splits the safeties, gets him down the field deep, and, and it would, it, you know, not wide open, but he just gets a step on him and, and how puts a ball almost right there. I'm talking like a couple, you know, probably about three or four inches, and it's a perfect pass. Gets his hands on it, has to kind of dive forward, can't corral it because it's just out of reach of being able to pull it in, but an aggressive throw, and really, it's a it was a good job by by McLaurin, good job by Howell, the right decision by Howell to throw, just missed by a few inches. Those are some things you can watch for. Now in 11-11, there are times where he was again, now you're full, now you're full defense. And there were times where he was was off, getting balls knocked down. Derek Forrest broke up a pass to Logan Paulson. Excuse Logan Paulson, Logan shout out Logan Paulson. You, you you'd be happy to hear that. Logan Thomas. So it was a play where Howell Hager actually had to extend the play and tries to hit Thomas and Defoe is right there, breaks it up another time. And again, this is where, you know, you get that aggressive mindset and you have to be careful because there's a ball to Cole Turner is inside the tent, probably inside the five or so. And Percy Butler, Turner's got two guys right behind him. One not, well, actually one right on the side and Butler's kind of behind him on his behind, uh, he's kind of running to his left. He's behind his left shoulder. So his outside shoulder and, and how tries it anyway. And it was not there. And Butler knifes in and picks it off and just a really good play. Now he takes off down the field. One of the things how kind of stops and maybe hung his head a little bit. This is where Eric B comes in because he yells at how, Hey, you threw it. You go get it. In other words, that's your mistake. Go make go, you know, bust your ass to get back in the play and, and make a play. So that again, the be enemy effect. Get on those guys when they do that. You can't afford to hang your head like that. We saw that in the rookie minicamp with Chris Rodriguez. Runs a drill, doesn't do it perfect, and he kind of stops, like, oh man. It's like, no, you've got to finish the drill. In a game, you're going to have a bad play. What do you do? How do you respond? You go make you you don't you don't compound, you don't make a second mistake by not continuing the play. You might go through the holes. Oh, I didn't do it right. Well, you keep going because nobody tackled you. Go make the play. Anyways, the enemy effect. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know the largest ropes course and zipline park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, 
The Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and zip lining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. Now I will say, one thing I don't do do not do in the spring is overreact to an interception because Percy Butler makes a nice play. He's in a good spot to make the play. The other thing is if you're a quarterback, this is when you have to learn what you can do. How is a young guy? You're going to have, I think to, for me, he's got to make some mistakes and you want to see him make it in practice more than in now in May and June and July, not in the game in September, October. This is when he has to learn. What can you do on this throw? That's not, maybe that's not a good decision. If guys are right there, what do you then do? So that's why I like when guys make some mistakes now, because then you see, how do you learn from that? I remember watching Alex Smith when he came here and Alex Smith has a reputation for taking great care of the ball, right? Well, I saw him throw pit, you know, sometimes some practices, a number of picks because the defense knows what's coming right at, at times. They know these guys, just like the, those guys know them, but also sometimes you're going to take a chance on a throw. It's just like a pitcher in baseball. You're trying a new pitch in the spring. That's when the time is to be aggressive with it, to see, does it work or not? Can you make that pitch in this situation? Can you make this throw against that kind of a look? Well, in some cases, the answer is no. So learn from it. That's why, like, if if he was perfect now, I'd, not that I, I wouldn't certainly be concerned, but, you know, I don't, I, I like to see guys who make some mistakes because then, again, you're looking to make plays, which I think they need to do. The key with Howell, though, is not doing it during the season. If, it, if you continue to see that, that becomes a problem. But if you start to see him taking care of the ball as, as we progress into the season, that's what you want to see. But I do think it's okay to make a mistake here or two now because you need to see what you can do versus different looks versus different players and, and see who can make a play for you, right? That's the key. So, and he had some other good throws and other whatever, but I'm not going to get into all that. I think that's indicative enough of his day. Jacoby Brissett. I've heard good things about how he's been doing. Um, I will say, like, you know, I, there's a difference in the mindset to me based on watching him today, just in, you know, and I think Brissett has a reputation for taking care of the ball, and I think we saw that. So in the seven-on-seven, seven, for example, there were more times where he would look to extend a play um, in seven-on-seven seven versus just getting rid of the ball and maybe kind of keep going, you know, doing going through your progression, getting rid of the ball here. Maybe it's not wide open. Maybe you got to get rid of it. Um, you don't typically want to see guys extend plays in seven on seven. You want to see plant, hitch, throw, right? Um, can't say that it was necessarily his fault because I don't know that. 
it could have been the receivers he's working with. They may have been running the wrong routes. They may, or maybe they're not, maybe they weren't all open. When you're watching the practice, you don't have a view of every single, you may see the field, you may see these guys, but I can't sit there and say like, oh, this guy was wide open here and he didn't throw it. I couldn't tell how tight the coverage was sometimes because sometimes you're watching a particular matchup or you're watching, um, yeah, a particular matchup or a particular player. But but what I did notice is that he did try to extend a number of plays there, and that's not something you necessarily want to see out of the offense. I'll just I'm not going to put the blame on him because I still think that guy's going to help. I think he's going to be very good for Howell both in the room on the field pushing him. I think Howell's going to have to play very well, and if he makes a lot of mistakes, I don't think these guys are going to want to quarterback to have to. I don't think they want to sit there and have have to go through a quarterback's growing pains because it could cost them their jobs. But that's where, again, I think there's a difference between the two. And there are a couple of times where I thought Brissett made some really good throws, um, nice touch on the ball and some uh, one one pass. I think it was to Jared Patterson, again, just off his fingertips, but it was a good throw by Brissett. So I think he offers a lot, but it's just something just something I noted today. That's all. I still think that guy is going to be a, a bit of, be a help. Eric Bieniemy, energy. We know that. But the players, the veterans now are feeling it. They definitely felt it. I'm talking like a lot of guys talked about it. John Allen talked about it. It's like, you know, it's hard not to feel it, he said. And by the way, Allen also talked about some of the energy he feels surrounding the fan base because of the sale. These guys feel it. And I think they're pretty excited for all this because they don't want they're they don't want to have another year answering questions about ownership or about Dan Snyder. They want to move on. Now I will say, like, they're not, you know, what their concern is who they're not really caught up in the sale. I would say that because somebody's going to be signing their paychecks. They're going to get paid. And ultimately they just, whoever signed their paychecks, that's who they're going to play for. And they, as Alan said, he's going to play the same way he did last year. They did, you know, his effort is going to be the same last year, this year as it was last year, the year before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, I think that's pretty indicative of how all these guys feel. But anyways, with Biennemi, Terry McLaurin said that, Talked about the detail-oriented aspect of the enemy. We talked about that before. I'll get to some of that in a minute. But he also said, when you come out here and you have that kind of energy from your coach, you have no choice but to come out and work hard. He said that the enemy sets the tone with that. And I would agree. Gibson, Antonio Gibson, was talking about the details a little bit more, whether it's on the routes, whether it was in um, you know getting in and out of the huddle. We've talked about that. We've definitely seen that. Or just jogging on and off the field. I've talked about that too. These guys are starting to feel it, and that's a change for them, and that is good. How Biennemi is as a coordinator calling plays in the game, I don't know. But I do think that all that stuff is going to make an impact because it's going to put an emphasis on those details, and I think that energy is good. Got to produce in games, so there's a ways to go, but that's the early impact of Eric Biennemi. <clears throat> So finally, let's wrap up with the offensive line. Um, so right guard, Sam Cosme, I told you after a while he was signed that that's where Cosme would go. Sadiq Charles was the first guy at left guard. Chris Paul was was with the twos. Um, Andrew Norwell still not healthy. And I told you once he's healthy, once he's cleared, they're going to make a move. Um, but that's not that he's not there yet. Has the hip injury. Uh, Charles Leno, not there again. The one thing that they've talked about is that because he's been in the system that they feel good at least about where he's at in his knowledge of the offense. And so so he's not he's not here. Um, and then uh, John Ridgway was not there. And I, this is something I forgot to mention. 
and I, but I told you, I think a month or two ago, a couple months ago, that he had had surgery for a torn pack. And as Nikki Javala noted today, that he wasn't out there because of that, um, that surgery. So, but he wasn't expected to be. So, but I know he's, I believe he's going to be fine relatively soon. But anyway, that's the update on him. So that's it. That's it for me. That's the OTA wrap up. And again, take it for what it's worth. It's May 24th. You know, I've seen a lot of underwear Olympic all stars um, through the years but it's a step in the process. And so now you get, for us, you get a baseline of, okay, what does how look like next week? What does this guy look like next week? How does this guy do? I liked what I saw from Cole Turner. And I think I mentioned it, but he was doing some stuff in the red zone in some drills today as well. Several nice catch, several catches. there, not necessarily great catches, but just the right route using a little bit of quick, using his size. And that's, I, I was going to wrap it up, but I forgot to mention his size and how well he uses that size, use that size, um, against, um, you know what, actually one thing I forgot to talk about, and I'm going to do this now is Emmanuel Forbes, because I forgot to go into him and I have my papers here and I just forgot to get into that. So I'm going to do that right now. And what I liked about, there's a couple things that stood out with him. He did have a pick in one session. Um, it was in the, there was like a two on two session, uh, with the receivers and he was covering Marcus Kemp. And tight coverage on the outside. Quarterback was Jake Fromm. Now that combo is not going to be the guys he's going to go against in the season. We all know that. So anybody who's about to send a comment to me about that, I already know it. So don't. So save your time. We know it. It's made. Okay. So, but what you see is on that play, on this play, is ball to the outside, little cut, and Forbes is kind of right there. Got a little bit on a you know off, slightly off balance going back but drove forward with the pick, just a nice drive, a nice explosion through the ball. Um, now, you know, he was working with the number ones a couple times. He was kind of rotating in and out. Sometimes it, he would be with the ones and it'd be him with um, St. Just and Kendall Fuller with St. Just inside. Sometimes it would be St. Just and Fuller on the outside, Rashad Wild Goose on the inside. Uh, so he did get some work in there, did a pretty nice job at times and, you know, long way to go for him. But there was one time where I liked his rotation on the backside of a coverage where his guy leaves his area. Then Jahan Dotson starts coming through down the seam and he rotates over and takes away a potential big play to him just by do, by doing the right rotation and the ball goes elsewhere. Now the size, it's going to be something to watch. Every player's got a flaw. We've already we've always talked about that. For him, it's going to be the size. And you saw it on one time where he's covering Cole Turner, where Turner basically runs into him and Forbes gets knocked back, and then Turner just cuts inside. Now, could you draw some penalties on that? Possibly, but it's not always. Sometimes it's just it's just natural collision, and he's going to have to be able to hold his ground. Otherwise, you're going to create separation. And that's what happened on that play. But he's just going to have to figure out a way around that. He's been that size for the last several years in the SEC, too. And he found a way around it. You make plays, and you're going to be okay. But he's got other skills to compensate. But that's something he's going to have to deal with. Now, I also saw Cole Turner do that against Quan Martin, where he just, you know, you create separation by being physical. That's what Cole Turner can do. I also saw him in the red zone a couple of times, just with some, you know, the right routes getting in some soft spots in the zone, making the play. So anyway, hey, now that's it for me. I gave you all I need to, all you need to know for today, and I'll be back later this week, probably Thursday night, Friday morning. It's another episode. Maybe take a longer weekend because it's Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back out at OTAs next week. So 
you next time.